Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi there, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we are radiating solidarity with my new friend, Darcy Graves, Um, Darcy and I met on Facebook as many relationships start, um, (laughs) through social justice and, um, you know, new thought about, um, social justice and being an ally, et cetera, et cetera. And those of you who have been watching our podcast on YouTube, because we're on YouTube as well as iTunes, Google Play, and all that good stuff, um, you'll notice the layout is a little bit different. Darcy is the maiden voyage of doing video or web web conferencing type of uh, podcasts. And so this opens up a whole new possibility in terms of greeting guests from all over the all over the world, honestly, Darcy used to you used to live in Kansas City, and I do. Now you're now you're not in Kansas City. <laughs> okay, so the group that Darcy started is called um, Ally is a Verb, and I've enjoyed this Facebook page very much. It's it's I believe it's a public page. Anybody can join it. Mm-hmm. But, um, so it's for people who are interested in being a good ally to people who might be other people who may be a bit different, how we can, and anybody can be a val, an ally, uh, how we can mm-hmm. communicate and advocate for others. Um, it's basically compassion. So it's like radiating compassion. Yeah. All right. So Darcy, Absolutely. And about that. Um, so you started the group allies of verb and so is solidarity like your main gig? <laughs> um, it's not in my, my, my job title or my job description, so to speak. But as we've been, as I've been preparing for this uh, conversation and, and thinking about it, I think it really is kind of the underpinning um, solidarity, respect, um, being able to connect with others uh, where they are as opposed to trying to bring them, you know, trying to meet them where I am, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, I teach Sunday school and, uh, in one, um, one Sunday we were talking about, let's set the rules for our classroom because we had a bunch of new kids join and mm-hmm. uh, set the rules for the classroom. And somebody said, well, I think one of the rules should be treat other people as you would want to be treated. And then one kid said, you know, I think we can do better than that. 
we should treat other people as they want to be treated. That's, that's fantastic. And that's actually, um, uh, you mentioned I uh, used to live in Kansas City, and I actually used to, to teach at the UMKC School of Medicine. And I did an annual workshop for them that I called uh, Your Golden Rule Might Not Be Mine and other rules of cultural competency, uh, because, you know, when the golden rule came about, I think we were far less mobile. We didn't have the internet to meet these new people. So we were all growing up in the the same town with the same norms um, and with the same people and people knew each other and knew each other's families for generations. So there was kind of this shared construct so it made perfect sense then to treat others as you would want to be treated because you had all of these shared values. But now, uh, and increasingly so, as we continue to be more mobile, uh, have far greater diversity and awareness of diversity, it really is trying to connect with other individuals and find out how they want to be treated because it may not be the same. And even if they visually look like they might have the same values as you, you don't, there's no way to guarantee that anymore. I'm not sure if you could ever guarantee it, but you certainly can't assume that anymore. Um, And so just being able to connect at the human level and finding out what makes sense for them um, and letting them know what makes sense for you. It's a, it's a, it's a two, it's a, it's a bi-directional sort of thing. I think people start to, you know, well, I wouldn't care if they did that, but it's not about the you in that instance. It's about connecting with them and then, you know, and then negotiating from there. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not all about us. We need to be reaching out to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you started this Facebook group, Ally is a Verb. Can you tell us a bit about what that means, ally is a verb? We t- think about people being an ally. So mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? So uh, so just to give some additional context, uh, ally is a verb. I actually started, it was two years ago on Monday when I launched it. Um, so this is a, a timely uh, podcast because I feel like it's, you know, it's the two-year anniversary, but it was initiated because there was a lot of conversations happening at the time about the importance of allies and the importance of making sure that folks understood that, you know, identifying themselves as allies as they were a safe place because there was a lot of precipitating events that were in the news. So there was a lot of discussion um, at that time. And uh, those precipitating events are, are rarely positive sorts of things. And my fear as a longtime ally is uh, when the news cycle changes, people's attention spans change. They move on to the next thing, just like the news cycle moves on to the next thing. And so the two things that I wanted to try to accomplish with ally as a verb is one, it's more than just saying, hey, I'm an ally. You don't get to just hang a sign or wear the badge and say, I'm an ally, and then go about your business as usual. It's something that you have to actively do and actively pursue daily. 
Um, and it's a, it's an ongoing effort. And then I wanted to create, the reason I chose to do this on Facebook was because I wanted to make sure that we were keeping this concept or construct a little bit more in the forefront. So if we were routinely posting about allyship things and being an ally and things you can do as an ally, um, I was hoping that that would help keep it a little bit more top of mind rather than just here's a crisis and now I'm going to go be an ally and then I'm going to come home and go back to business as usual. Right. I think that is so important because we're not, we don't live in a vacuum. There are people in the world, all over our community that can use an ally at any time. It's not just like a one-time event. It's like, I don't go here. Ally. Awesome. Yeah. And it's not, um, and it's not, uh, and I think we talked about this uh, as we were preparing this isn't a political thing because I've been an ally since I was in college. I've been an ally since before I could vote. Um, and people need allies regardless of who is in power or um, what the situations are because there are always groups in need who need to have their voice elevated and amplified um, and who need help from us to dismantle the barriers and areas of oppression that they might be facing given the givens. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you just, you're always showing what's in the the spotlight. It's like, this is, and the content is so relevant and so up to date um, what different groups are doing in terms of raising awareness, being an ally. Um, It's really excellent content. So I applaud that. Um, So why is this whole question of social justice and allyship even important to you? Um, As, as cliche as it sounds, this is just the way I was, I was, I was born, I was raised, um, but it's just always been important to me. Um, as I've as I've aged, I've been able to attach more of a vocabulary to it. I think there's two quotes that kind of epitomize um, how I try to approach life in general. And one uh, is attributed to Paul Wellstone, which is we all do better when we all do better. Yeah. I think that's just kind of a, a fundamental thing. And then there's the... Um, the often quoted uh, Gandhi, you know, we must be the change we want to see. And so, you know, pulling those two things together um, and recognizing that as a white, straight, cisgender, middle-class woman, I am just inherently born with so many privileges. And it, I find it mind boggling and a little mind numbing on occasion that my life is inherently better or less obstructed because of how and where I was born. And so I think everybody should have the opportunity to achieve at the level that they want to achieve. and, and our systems aren't set up for that. And so it's just this inherent sense that 
and, and, you know, to say, I want the world to be more fair sounds, sounds trite, but um, I would love for there to be a greater opportunity for equal opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, some things that we, we tend to forget, there's a, there's a great meme that's going around, that's been going around on, on Facebook and other social media is about equal rights. Um, does it mean less rights for you? Right. Um, it's not pie, uh, <laughs> you know, which is, um, puts a, a, a funny spin on it, but that's, you know, I just keep, I'm like, it's not pie. I don't understand. Exactly. It, I fundamentally just don't understand why this has to be a thing and it boggles my mind that it is. And so I try to spend my, my, my free time or my passion or my effort and energy into making it less of a thing. Because even though I didn't have anything to do with setting up the systems, um, it's part of my job as somebody who inherited this system of privilege uh, to try to dismantle um, and elevate others, to dismantle, you know, the pieces that hold other people back and help lift up those who are not um, currently represented by the system. And that can mean a myriad of, a myriad of things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was another meme that uh, I thought you were going to be quoting that was, um, is that, white privilege does not mean that my life has not been hard. It just means that the right. color of my skin is not what's making it harder. Exactly. So, you know, our systems um, it, were built, I don't, I don't want to say built because built is the wrong, wrong verb, were created by the majority for the majority. Right. Absolutely. Period. Whether that be sex, sexual orientation, race, gender identity, religion, um, spirituality, all of those things. We are, you know, the majority is what is the one who created the system. And anytime you don't fall into one of those majority categories, um, you know, you're facing, you're facing barriers. And so I inherited a lot of those privileges um, and that doesn't mean that I don't struggle and that doesn't mean that it's not hard. It just means that, um, I'm not, as you said, you know, the, I don't have those additional roadblocks, um, uh, put in front of me. I, uh, you know, one of the analogies that people like to use is a uh, racetrack. And so obviously the person who's on the inside of the track, if everybody's lined up equally, you know, at the same place, the person on the inside track has, has the shortest distance to run. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, and that's more how I try to equate privilege because people get very touchy about it and I get it, but again, it's not pie. We're just trying to um, give everybody kind of that, that equal, that equal footing. Yeah. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Now, I don't know if you knew this about me, but my daughter is biracial. And so oh, okay. this really like literally hits home to me and how mm -hmm. I might see her as she grows up. Um, do you, in your family or in your, your chosen family even, do you have those around you who could really benefit from allyship? 
Absolutely. Um, uh, my chosen family is, uh, is quite diverse um, from across the, the spectrum of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, all of the things that I've, I've kind of already, already mentioned. Um, you know, and so many of them can, can benefit from, from allies. Uh, you know, and I do it. I do it for them, but I do it for the, you know, the, the, the great, you know, the the, the them's that I have not yet met. Um, but it's something I certainly talk about with my friends about what can I do or what can I do better. Um, but I don't rely on them. Um, and this, I think, this is an important part of being an ally. I don't rely on them to educate me. I educate myself, and then I may ask them questions. But it's not incumbent upon the marginalized individual or the marginalized community to educate the majority. The majority needs to kind of figure it out um, and then find out how best to help um, as opposed to, to, you know, going up to your daughter and say, tell me everything there is to know about being right biracial in Kansas City in 2018, because that's that's not. No, she's 12. That's not her burden. That's it's my burden to figure that out. Exactly. And honestly, um, to me, at least practicing social justice and being a good ally is really perhaps selfishly about me. I want to be a more complete human. I want to be Mm -hmm. a better citizen. I want to show more love and compassion. And because it's absolutely thing to do. You know, right. Yeah, I think it's and that I think that's an important uh, nuance because it's it's OK if you were um, if you're doing it for yourself to a certain extent and you give yourself the cookie or the pat on the back um, the and say, I feel good about doing this, but it's not OK to go to again to the marginalized community and say, look at all the things that I did for you. Aren't I great? No, because again, it's, it's, it's not about you. So it's that, that, that balance. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, it's not about the cookie or the pat on the back. It's about, right. I want to be a better person. But no, absolutely. I, I didn't mean to imply otherwise. I just, um, using those as, as, uh, similes or metaphors or what because have you. In the, in the community sometimes, you know, people mm-hmm. who, allyship as a as a badge sometimes but um really and it's we talk there's all this talk about political correctness and that that term takes a lot of heat but it's not really it's not really accurate though it's not about being political and it's right being correct to a point but really it's about compassion if someone yes. you know treating people as they want to be treated if i were to tell you my name is christy and you call me shirley then that's not respectful. It's just about respect. To me, yes. what we call PC is really being respectful about respect and mm-hmm. that another person has their own identity and their own story. And then mm-hmm. finally, we can support their story as we would want them to support ours. So I absolutely, just, it's just so it's a passion. Um, so what else are you doing to enact social change? Is there anything else? Oh. That- works um 
so I do a lot with, uh, so I, you know, moderate the, the ally as a verb. And then uh, through my, I work um, just to, to pull back the, the curtain just a bit. So my work is centered in, uh, I work adjacent to kind of the healthcare field. And my work is about uh, increasing culturally and linguistically appropriate services within that healthcare. So figuring out how we can better serve uh, individuals from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Um, so as a part of that, um, there's a thing, and I'm trying not to be too, too academic about it, but it's, uh, there's a concept called the social determinants of health. So, you know, knowing that your geography or where you live impacts your health, your security, your access to food, all of those social determinants pieces. So that's kind of the, the long way of saying one of the things that I do as a volunteer basis um, through my, as part of my office is I do, uh, I call them passive community service projects for um, my office three or four times a year where we do donation drives for various groups that, uh, relate to the social determinants of health. So we've done donation drives for uh, domestic violence centers. We've done donation drives for um, homeless communities, for literacy centers, for uh, education systems, uh, and those sorts of things. So always trying to Im embed that in whatever I do. And then uh, another hobby of mine um, again, in that kind of uh, selfish, selflessness sort of vein is that I decided a few years ago that I needed a hobby that didn't involve the computer because um, I was doing a lot of blogging for groups or I do a lot of digital photography. And so that's always computer based. So I taught myself um, uh, in an effort to get away to unplug a little bit. I taught myself how to make hats and scarves um, on just those round plastic looms that you can get at a at your general craft store. And so now I make hats and scarves and I donate those to uh, various organizations. So it lets me create, it's very therapeutic and uh, meditative to create them. But then there's not a pile of things in my house because I could have taken up painting, but then I'd be surrounded by canvases with no place to go. But um, so I said, you know, what can I do? And so uh, one of the things um, that I do in my free time is I, uh, the, I have a, a web link that I, you know, darcygraves.org. And off of that, you can see uh, regarding hats. And it's all about heads need hats. Um, and so and then next need scarves, but heads need hats. And so, you know, really figuring out how we can help people. Um, uh, through just basic acts of kindness, providing them a handmade hat and scarf that helps keep them warm, but it also lets them know that somebody out there was thinking specifically of them in that moment and kind of imbuing it with positive energy and love. And so in the four or five years since I started doing this, I think I've donated um, I've donated over 300 hats and nearly 200 scarves wow. um, to various uh, groups in the Mid-Atlantic area, which I'm located in Maryland. 
um, in the Mid-Atlantic area, but I do send quite a bit back to to Kansas City. So um, there's a number of hats that I just provided to a group of friends who uh, adopt foster kids who are in the Kin- or in the Kansas system, and so sent them um, nearly nine pounds of hats and scarves that I had made. Uh, and so those will be distributed to, to, to kids in need. And again, you know, they get to have this handmade hat and scarf that's in their favorite color. And the tag says made specifically, you know, it's made with love for, and their name, um, by Darcy. And so they get to know that there was somebody out there thinking of them. And I hope that, um, I don't assume, but I hope that, that means something and that can be um, something positive in their world. So, um, but anyway, so that's, those are a few of the things that I do in my, um, in my off hours. That is beautiful. You know, your story about how hats need, heads need hats (laughs) reminded me (laughs) of a story that again, my daughter, she's just amazing. And she just surprises me um, all the time. So we were volunteering one time. We do a lot of service work and we were volunteering one time mm-hmm. at a community kitchen and it was dinner time mm-hmm. and we were serving and all these people came in and it was just surprising. We had never done anything like that. The people who come in, we were just surprised at the people who came in and she says, mom, and she was about six at the time. She says, mama, mm-hmm. it's just so funny. We are all the same, but we just have different heads. <laughs> and, <laughs> I thought that was a beautiful yes. child-centered way to look at that. We just have different heads. Yeah. Um, yes. So, no, at, out of the mouths of babes. Um, they have the clearest and most genuine way of articulating what is, what we're trying, what we're trying to do. Um, one of the stories, one of the things that I lean on, um, especially Ally is a verb, in addition to being a place of resources and a place to share education, is that people were asking for, for motivation um, and those sorts of things, because sometimes it's hard to be an ally. Yes. Um, you know, there is that discourage, you know, you do face those discouraging times when you see repeated events in the news. Um, but um, my niece, uh, I don't have any children, but I have lots of nieces and nephews, both by blood and by um, by kinship. And my niece, when she was probably two, two and a half, my eldest niece, when she was two, two and a half, uh, was walking with my brother, and she saw a little boy fall down on the playground. And he goes, she says, Daddy, he fell down. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he did. And she goes, he needs to fall up. and if that isn't just the definition or the embodiment of resilience um and so i really focus uh you know and i've had my own things that go on in my life but it's really you know so what i try to practice or the way i describe it is it's the art of falling up because we all fall down Oh my we God. all fall down and we have to practice falling back up. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I have one of those, uh, you know, one of those uh, popular, you know, bracelets that they have the, the words, you get to choose your word that you imprint on it. Yeah. And my bracelet says, 
fall up. Um, because it's just that reminder that we all have to get up again. We all have to, you know, dust off and, and, and try again. But anyway, I just, you know, we all have different heads and we all need to fall up. It's that, they, they, it's just, it's such clarity because I could spend 45 minutes doing a lecture on what does resilience mean? And my niece summed it up in two words at the age of two. That is fall up. Just fall up. Oh, that is beautiful. Oh my gosh. So in all of this work, I mean, there's got to be an end sight to this, an end vision for all of this. And what is your, what is your dream that, you know, embracing solidarity, uh, mirroring solidarity, teaching solidarity, what is your dream for this country? What do you hope people get out of this? Um, well, again, it kind of falls back to my nieces and, and to put it in terms, um, put it in terms of my work, you know, as a, somebody who teaches and, and works in cultural competency is that um, someday I would be able, would my, you know, someday that that work would no longer be necessary. Yeah. Um, and so that my niece someday when I am, old and sitting in a rocking chair, she would say, you know, what did you used to do when you were my age? Or, you know, what was your career? And I would say, well, I used to teach people about culturally and linguistically appropriate services. And she would look at me dumbfounded. And, you know, this is the dream. She would look at me dumbfounded and say, you had to used to teach that? Didn't people just know? And, and that's, that's the dream. And um, unfortunately, there's still a lot of job security, uh, but it's certainly um, it's certainly the dream. And then um, if we could all just get it and respect each other and lift each other up and take care of each other, because, you know, taking care of other, you know, we all do better when we all do better. So taking care of others is ultimately helpful to everyone, including myself, yourself, ourselves. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that would be the, that would be the ultimate goal is that I could retire and go work at an art museum or make hats full time or whatever. Um, uh, you know, or, you know, just wake up and go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I could, you know, I, my friends like to tease me. I've, um, I was a professional, though I was working full time during most of it. Um, I was, you know, a professional student for quite a while. So I have, um, I have three master's degrees, one of which is in communications, one of which is in religion and sociology, and one of which is in public policy. So, um, I could quite easily see myself going back to school to learn about all new things, uh, if and when the time came, but um, like I said, uh, I think there's still there's still enough work to be done for a, another few years. So there is quite a lot of work to do still. And yeah, well, you asked me my dreams, yeah, so, so or my dream. hopes. You hope to put yourself out of a job. That that's ultimately the goal is to um, to do it so well or to have it 
resonates so much that that it's not necessary anymore. But um, you know, or get enough people on the same page that you know you can do that part time. You know, I think that I think it's all a continuum. So I hope we I hope we get there sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that looking at the news sometimes we get a little discouraged because mm-hmm. there, we think we're making a lot of progress in that in this mm-hmm. area, and yet we see so much discrimination, so much. Mm-hmm racial violence so much uh other violence um mm-hmm. see it in the news so yep. i have to ask if you ever get discouraged and if you do what how do you get yourself out of it um i absolutely get disur- discouraged it's frequently disheartening to to watch the news or to read the headlines because sometimes i can't always stomach watching the news but um, my current uh, my current way of helping myself to fall up is that every time there is a news cycle that I find particularly heartbreaking or vexing is I, you know, I make a hat or I make a scarf um, and I try to figure out what, you know, I I may not be able to to make good in that situation. Um, Precisely, but I can try to channel that angst and that energy into a good activity and come up with something. Um, I also take those opportunities uh, to dig out more educational materials um, or to find more motivational quotes, and and I'll start to um, try not to flood, but I will post a lot to Ally as a Verb so that people have some additional context and terminology and information about the situation um, and putting it in, in that, you know, putting it into the larger context so that we can continue to move forward. Um, But my reaction is usually if I'm struggling with something, I try to figure out, I try to find someone or try to figure out a way that I can help somebody else. And that generally is how I try to, to fall up or lift myself up out of whatever dark place might be happening. I think that's wonderful. You know, Mr. Rogers famously said, you know, kids, if you're, you're listening, if you're watching the news and you see something that's very upsetting, a, a large tragedy or something like that, just know that there are always helpers look for the helper. Yes. And I think mm-hmm. that's a good remedy. Um, even when we ourselves are suffering, we can look yes. at how we can help. Because that mm-hmm. part of service just lifts you. It helps you fall up. When you learn yes. how you can plug in, just having that resilience. Yep. Yes. I know a lot of people do get so. just discouraged sometimes. We feel like we're pulling, 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 pulling. And then when we see something that um, just shows us how much more work we have to do, it can be a little discouraging. We have to keep each other. Yes. And I think it's also important to, um, you know, it's also important to practice self-care. It's okay to unplug for a weekend. It's okay to say, you know what? Tonight, I'm eating that pint of ice cream or I'm having that glass of wine or I'm getting that massage or whatever it is um, 
and then I'll, I'll get back to the work tomorrow. It's okay to take a step, to take a step back every now and again. Um, and I take a step back rather than take a step away. Um, you know, but it's okay to hit the pause button if you need to replenish um, so that you can continue, continue the efforts. Right. And of course at Radiate Wellness, we're all about taking care of, of self. You know, we, we mm-hmm. are our own caretakers, our primary caretakers. And so that self-care is so important, whether it's life coaching, whether it's uh, getting energy work or any of the other services that we do. But um, right. if you have ever been in a choir or an orchestra before, but when you're in a choir or you're in an orchestra where people are playing wind instruments, you've got we got to mm-hmm. take a breath. We got to take a breath. And so, um, choirs and these orchestras they they alternate taking the breath so that the tone is continuous. Okay. So I kind okay. of that's the great same way. Is that sometimes yeah. what you said about taking a breath, not taking you know stepping back, not stepping away. Mm-hmm. You have to alternate those breaths. And even just in our own little circle, you know, even in our own little circles, people are going through their own challenges. And if everybody's always needing help, we just, you know, just take a breath to let mm-hmm. everybody else kind of catch up. Yeah. So yeah. It's very important. I'm so glad that you mentioned the self-care because it's, it's essential. And yeah. Cause I think, um, and I'll speak for myself, but I think there's, you know, when you see these kind of endless news cycles, and, and that's kind of our reality these days, um, you know, I put that pressure on myself as, am I doing enough as an ally? Right. What more can I do? Right. How else can I help? Um, and, you know, it's that moment where you're like, okay, you know, this is the part where I have to stop. And I have to recognize what I am doing and seeing if there's any gaps that I can fill. But I also have to take that, that, that breath um, and put on my own oxygen mask yes. because I can't help others right. um, if I'm incapacitated. Absolutely. Um, or if I'm, you know, just burnt out, crispy, fried, done. Um, and so, uh, you know, figuring out what that, what that is. And then again, you know, and asking for help, that's another part of self-care is, you know, if you are at, yes. if you are at the bottom, yes. um, or if you are, if you feel yourself sinking, um, and you, you know, reaching out to others saying, okay, how do we do this? What do we do? What can we do? Um, and, and finding those those shared voices so that you are part of a, a choir rather than someone who is um, yeah, trying right. to just do this, do this as a, as a, as a solo act. Right. Absolutely. That is so important. Um, I just have one more question for you, Darcy. And that mm-hmm. is what, what can we all do to be better allies, to be better citizens, to be, more in solidarity with the humans around us. What might you say? Um, so uh, I, I think to be a good ally and to be a better ally, and you know, and constantly improving yourself is um, make sure that you are listening. You know, that good active listening 
um, not preparing for a response or not preparing a rebuttal, um, but but really listening to where um, the pain or the issues or the frustration lies um, and listening and then educating yourself about how maybe to address those things, uh, whether it be, you know, in your family, in your office, in your community, um, you know, there's, there's so many levels of change that you can work on invoking. So figuring out what your level is and then, and then um, educating yourself about those things and then, and then doing something. Um, and doing something, and, and I don't, I'm not diminishing the protests or marches or any of those things because those are very valuable. Um, but you have to do more than march. Yes. You have to do more than change your Facebook profile picture to reflect <laughs> what you're vexed about. Right. Or what you're representing. Right. Um, and and what that action is can be a different can be different for a lot of different people. It may be writing letters, it may be volunteering, it may be making hats, it may be um, raising money, it may be just writing a check. It may there's you know, but there are things to be done. Um, and so then it's it's the allyship is in the doing. Um, because you know all good intentions are great, but there has to be action behind behind the words. Yes, thus ally is a verb. It's exactly. A- <laughs> yeah. Darcy, it has been so much fun to talk to you. Um, as we were kind of messaging back and forth prior to this interview, you said, um, "Yeah, I think there's just going to be a lot of nodding." We're going to have a good conversation, <laughs> lots of nodding, because <laughs> we're totally yes. on the same page about this. Although you have so much more experience in this area, and I absolutely love that we have you, <laughs> uh, someone who can share information. And I totally appreciate you. And I, yeah, I just appreciate you. Okay. So. Yeah, well, and I, and, and, and I, you, um, and thank you for giving me this, this platform to talk about what I think is a, is a very important topic. Thank you so much. Yes. Good. Well, it's so good to talk to you. Uh, Yes. And a voice with the name. All right. Absolutely. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, 
The Angel Tarot Show. Each week you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.